It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, so it's time for the roundtable. And no, that is not Sam Ekstrom uh, that after going to the gym too many times. That is Luke Inman joining us today. Uh, good to have Luke back. We got Julia Daniels from CARE 11. We got Reggie Wilson from CARE 11, the Missouri defector or Minnesota defector. I don't know what you call him, uh, but he's a Missouri guy, but he's in Minnesota covering our sports now. And of course, I'm Ron Johnson, former Gophers and NFL wide receiver, host of the Ron Johnson Show. And uh, there's a lot of sports going on in Minnesota, man. We got the Vikings at 6-6. Six and six. We got the Timberwolves at 4-14. and 14. We got the Gophers. We're not going to talk about that. But we got to get locked in on this show. We know the Wild have actually had a decent stretch a little bit down. Uh, Julia told me, I guess. I'll take her word for it. But, Julia, what you got for us today? We'll talk about the Vikings quarterback controversy. And does KOC need to give Josh Dobbs another chance? And, Ron, you said 4-14. Four and 14. You mean 14-4. and four. Put some respect on it because the Timberwolves are going to the <laughs> Super Bowl, right? Yes, right? Super Bowl basketball. Yeah, let's talk some Brian Flores defense today, too. Can the defense lead the Vikes into a potential playoff run? We'll talk about that coming up. And the Mighty Ducks, they got a new coach, so why shouldn't the Wild do it? We'll talk about that. And the Gophers quarterback controversy, they might head to a bowl game, and I don't even know if they have enough quarterbacks to make it through a game. We'll talk about that and much more when we come back. But remember, people, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now new customers get 150 bucks that's 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money that's five dollars any five dollar bet will get you 150 dollars in bonus bucks that's 150 bucks if your team wins visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started trust me i did the parlay hey I watched every single game because I had nine teams in it. And, of course, the Vikings were the one team that let me down. I knew it was going to happen. I knew the Vikings were going to let me down. They let me down. I put $10 down, people. I could have won 3000 So make sure you do it your way. And then you'll get $150 in bonus bets. Well, let's get to this show. I'm going to start off with you. What you got for us, Luke? Yeah, let's talk a little Brian Flores defense. It's funny, heading into the year is all about how far can this KOC and Kirk Cousins-led offense go, but really the story lately, guys, has been Brian Flores. He's officially taken the worst defense in the league last year to a top-10 scoring defense through 12 weeks. So I think the way they're playing right now, this defense can absolutely do enough to help them win games in the playoffs. Now, it's still an offensive league at the end of the day, so you still got to be putting up points, but defense is always going to be a huge deciding factor in the playoffs that's never going to change and this is a team that's allowed under 22 points in six of their last seven games they've given up three touchdowns in the past three weeks three 
So, yeah, Flores is coaching out of his mind right now. And I think for me, what's been most impressive is he's not only turned the worst-ranked unit into a top 10, but he's done it, guys, with less talent than Ed Donatel had last year, at least on paper. Lost Delvin Tomlinson, Kendricks, Pat P. The list goes on and on. The one prize free agent he did have enough money to go get, Marcus Davenport, He's only suited up three games. So that's what great defensive coordinators do. Teams spend all their money on the offense nowadays, but Flores found some cheap unknowns, turned them into legitimate pieces, and it's been fun to see guys like Josh Metellus, Bynum, Ivan Pace, Jonathan Bullard. I think Brian Flores and what he's done should not be understated, and I think he's put on an absolute masterclass this year and be able to turn around this defense while sticking duct tape and super glue on a lot of positions. Uh, that speaks a lot of volumes, and I think that's why he's one of the best coordinators in the league right now. Reg, what do you think? So I agree with you, Luke. Uh, it's interesting, though, last game – the DBs came out with these shirts and they had the closers on them. And the last two games, though, when it matters most, they haven't been able to close. It's so interesting how this year's defense is different from last year's defense. Last year's defense, it was like bend, 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 and then huge play right at the end. And then this year, it's been... Nothing, 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 nothing. And then right at the end is when the, the other team kind of, you know, we saw it in Denver, that last drive. It was just like almost they ran out of steam, you know, from stopping them all game. And then this uh, last game, the same thing, Chicago. I mean, they they forced two two key turnovers in the fourth quarter. And then in that last drive, it was like, dang, dang. They let, they let Fields get loose with DJ Moore for that 30-plus yard uh, catch and run that that ended up you know being the nail in the coffin for that field goal. So I think what's interesting is, is like they are playing some really good ball, but they got to close out. And I know they would say the same thing. They they got to find a way to keep that going for all sixty minutes because the problem the last two weeks has been that last drive. And I think those are, you know, other than all the mistakes that they've made, those are, are huge reasons and why um, they've lost those last two games. A lot of fans pointed out all of a sudden, you know, Brian Flores is huge on the blitz, very blitz happy. And then on those last drives, he abandons the blitz and then the, the huge play happens. And so not really sure what's going on there, but there there's some adjustments that need to be made. I'll agree with you on the blitz, but Reg, they gave up 12 points. I mean, I can't get mad at that. <laughs> no, no, for sure. For sure. Julie, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. The defense can only do so much if your offense isn't uh, doing anything at all or giving the ball away. I think um, the Vikings are going to have a hard time keeping Brian Flores as a defensive coordinator next year. Uh, I also think... Like Luke said, it's an offensive league, right? As much as, you know, my tried and true Nick Saban likes to say defense wins championships, in the NFL, it's just not possible if your offense isn't out there producing something. Like you said, they've only given up three touchdowns in three, touchdowns in three games, but, um, you know, you, you have your tried and trues as well on the Vikings with Daniel Hunter and, and you have and Harrison Smith that's – they're always going to be reliable guys, right? But I really like what you said, Luke, about um, especially Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus. Josh Metellus this year has just been 
unbelievable. I don't know if it's the contract. I don't know if it's just him getting older. Um, I know he talked to Chuck Scoggins a few weeks ago um, about how he felt like he was just finally with a coordinator that worked well with him. Um, and, and the guys have talked about this since training camp, right? Brian Flores lets his guys be the, be who they want to be, right? Um, but also he just feels like he's more experienced and he's more confident this year as well. And you also have, you know, younger guys like a Caleb Evans who have their shining moments too, but you're right. Less talent than they had last year, but, but I just think these guys are more comfortable, but at the end of the day, the offense really just has to work out what's going on with them because ultimately that's what leads to a playoff run when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, I look at I'm just a metrics guy. So when you look at Brian Flores, what he's figured out, when you look at that first Bears game, so you go back to that first Bears game, uh, defensively, they were 23rd for the most part when you look at points given up. And, and that's why I think Luke brought up a good point. Reggie did as well. And you too, Julia. Like the points have changed. You go from the first Bears game at 23rd to the last Bears game, 15th. 15th. They jumped eight basis points. That's one of the biggest jumps in that span. You also look at weeks 9 to 12. So the last four weeks for them. They're third in the NFL when you talk about giving up a first down or a touchdown. They're third at 20.1%. They are third. So in the last four weeks, he has a top five defense. I'm not going to be that guy to say they'd be winning a lot more games with Kirk Cousins under that defense, but I'm going to be that guy. They'd be winning a lot more games with Kirk Cousins. Now, there are some games you might say, well, Josh Dobbs won that game with his legs. Yeah, but I don't know if Kirk puts you in that position. And so it just sucks when you talk about, I think Reggie brought that up, Marcus Davenport, I think you Luke did, being hurt. Uh, you look at the Caleb Evans being hurt, like uh, Brian Asamoah being hurt. Like it's a ragtag bunch of guys that nationally – not a lot of people know who these guys are, but when you look at the numbers, even punts, they force 17 punts. That's tied for ninth. 14 field goals they've allowed. That's the most, which means they're they're forcing, they're bending, but they're not breaking. They are they're forcing teams to just have to kick field goals. And we saw it last game. Like it's just field goal, field goal, field goal. You can win games if you can just score two touchdowns on a team that can force four field goals in the game. And I think that's going to be the big thing down the stretch for this team. But defensively, Brian Flores, yeah, I hate to say it, Julia, you're right too. Like it does feel like he might want to go, but do you want to go to an organization that's under fire like the Panthers who are willing to fire their coach in 12 weeks? Are you willing to go to a team like the Cardinals where Jonathan Gannon, it looks very deficient, like they don't have any weapons. So for Brian Flores, a lot of people are saying if Bill, if Belichick leaves, do, do the Patriots go get Brian Flores? Because they've always been a defensive-led team. That could be a good situation for a team that's maybe needs a new quarterback. Maybe Josh Dobbs follows Brian Flores a la what is my favorite movie? Any given Sunday, Al Pacino leaves, takes Jamie Foxx with them. Maybe Brian Flores takes Josh Dobbs to New England and New England's defense gets set. Um, but right now, let's just hope that he his 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 home, uh, because he did buy a house in Minnesota, that his home is in Minnesota for now. But we'll see. But we got to move on to the next one. Vikings offense, of course. But Julia, what are your thoughts on this offense and Josh Dobbs? Yeah, the question that we have as our topic is, does KOC need to give Josh Dobbs another chance? And at the end of the day, no, he doesn't need to give Josh Dobbs another chance. It comes down to what he said this week. And I think that when it comes to a guy like Kevin O'Connell, if you really want to read into the things that he says and does, because he is very consistent in most of his press conferences, the fact that this week he said, 
he needs to go back and evaluate the quarterback position means that we're not guaranteed to see Josh Dobbs in Vegas, right? We're not, we're not guaranteed to see that. We, he has two other guys that know the offense much better than Josh Dobbs does, which I mean, maybe, maybe not because he's such a smart guy. Maybe he's already caught up to them. Who knows? But um, another point I think some people are hanging on to too much is that no guy in the quarterback room has ever thrown to Justin Jefferson in a game before. and This is his return. That's only a positive having being a quarterback and having and the addition of Justin Jefferson out there. Right. So I think that that's not something that people need to dwell on too much, just on Twitter and in and, and articles and things like that. But I do think Kevin O'Connell has to strike a balance if he is going to stick with Josh Dobbs of how adventurous he's going to get with this offense and how much control he's going to let Josh Dobbs have. Because with Kirk, you didn't, you weren't too terribly adventurous because he is such a pro style quarterback with Dobbs. You have the legs. And I think especially this past week, we saw him get way too far into letting Josh Dobbs do his own thing and also being too adventurous. So he needs to somehow strike a balance with both of those things if it's going to work with Josh Dobbs. And it's not something that Kevin O'Connell's done for years. So um, I, I I would say no, he doesn't need to give Josh Dobbs a chance. But um, as somebody who likes to watch good football and likes to watch football games where you don't really know what's going to happen, of course you'd love to see Josh Dobbs out there. But I don't think there's any bad options at this point necessarily if it comes down to Jaron Hall or Nick Mullins too. So I think it's just kind of a wait and see sort of thing. But um, clearly what has been going on has, has not been working like we saw this past week. Uh, Luke. If you've listened to KOC at all this week, I think the signs point to Mullins being the guy, whether you know we like that or not, because I think the number one takeaway from those pressers, like Julia said, was all about getting back to the basics, running the offense efficiently again. And right now, it's you just watch the last 10 quarters of play. It's just missing the most basic things like timing and rhythm. Those were the two words he used over and over again. He wants the guy that's going to get the ball out on time, that's going to lead TJ Hawkinson open on fourth down on an out route. You know, And I don't think this is all Josh Dobbs' fault coming in at the deadline like he did, but Nick Mullins is the guy with two more years of experience in this offense. He started 24 games in the NFL. He's the guy, I would assume, they want to roll out of the bye with and see what a game or two looks like with all the pieces in place. And and knowing we're at six and six right now, the margin for error is just so razor thin. Having said that, I still think big picture. I think if you were to give Dobbs another six weeks, a whole month and a half, keep absorbing the offense, not to mention you get to work with JJ for the first time. I still think of these three guys, I think Dobbs gives you the best chance to go the furthest in the long run. And what I mean by that is, say you do win enough games with Mullins, you make it into the playoffs. Well, then what? Like, is he going to win you a playoff game? Odds are you're looking at another one and done. And I get it. You got to crawl before you walk. So, like, making the playoffs has to be priority number one right now. But I think if we can get in the dance and give Dobbs six more weeks of prep learning the offense, I think of the three options here, he's the one I want to go down with in the playoffs. And I say that because he does have the highest ceiling of all three guys, like we've seen the mobility that can change games with his legs. So, I don't know, Reds. Call me nuts, man. I'm just not ready to give up on the passionate already. I want more. What do you think? Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. It's so interesting because I feel like with Josh Dobbs, I, I talk so much about how Kevin O'Connell really just 
like was in his bag with with Dobbs. And that is true. But I, I do feel like Dobbs takes him out of his comfort zone because he hasn't had a quarterback who's been mobile like that and who has the skill set that Josh Dobbs has. And so now with with the struggles, it's so funny to to hear you say like, oh, yeah, like probably just ends up going back to Mullins. And, you know, you run a diet version of what you can do with Kirk because, you know, Mullins doesn't have the the arm talent that Kirk Cousins has. And so, like, if you if you just want to run your offense effectively like you would with Kirk, okay, go with Mullins. But here's the thing. I think Dobbs, as you said, Luke, I think Dobbs has the higher upside. But I also think that you have invested in this rookie talent in Jaron Hall, and we only got to see him for two series before – you know, the the horrible concussion happened. And so, honestly, if, if I were the decision maker, I would roll with Jaron Hall just to see what they have, to see if he's a long-term option as the backup in Minnesota moving forward or if he has something that he could possibly be a starter one day. Like, I, you just don't have enough from him to, to know that. And you got to figure out what you have in him so you don't know if you, you know, wasted a pick or if, is he just going to be a, a, a arm for, you know, scout team or whatever the case may be. And all that I've heard is that when Hall has gotten opportunities in practice, he's lit it up. And so if I were the the decision maker, I would go with Jaron Hall just to see what he has. Like, I don't know if they are truly, truly trying to like win this season, especially after what we've seen the last couple weeks. Like, I think you just kind of go and, and see what you have. And I, I feel like you kind of know what you're going to get from Dobbs. He's kind of volatile, you know, super good when, when things are going well. But then when things are not going well, he's turning the ball over, you know, making bad throws and, and bad decisions. And it's just, you know, part of it is he's still trying to understand what's going on out there because he's only, what, a few weeks into this offense. But like I said, if if Kevin O'Connell wanted to continue to push outside of his comfort zone, he would not go with Mullins. I think he would go with either Hall or stick with Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so for the Vikings, uh, Reggie and Luke, uh, Julia, uh, mainly Luke, your point about comfort zone. Kevin O'Connell is out of his comfort zone. He is damn sure out of his comfort zone. This is why. People can say like, oh, well, there's this this stat I'm going to give you guys. There's a reason for it. So weeks one through nine, the Vikings had the seventh least amount of runs. In weeks 10 through 12, the Vikings had the seventh most amount of runs. That, Mm -hmm. to me, it's literally a 180. He had to completely change his thought. He had to run the ball a little bit more. He had to try to get in some more like manageable second down plays through the run, whereas before it was on Kirk Cousins' arm to get him into to, to second and manageable or third and manageable. Now he's like praying like Kane, uh, Chandler. Can anybody, can Madison, can somebody get me something with their legs? And they're not doing it. He's trying not to put the ball in the quarterback's hands. That's not what he's used to. He's used to letting the quarterback drive his offense. He went from seventh most to seventh least when you talk about runs in the weeks. Pass-wise, second most amount of passes in weeks one through nine with Kirk Cousins. Recently, 16th most. He's dropped so far down now when you talk about passes. Now, number of plays, has it changed? No. 
They averaged 80 plays a game in the first nine weeks. They've averaged 81 plays a game in the last three weeks. So nothing has changed besides the quarterback. So I just think he's out of his comfort zone, and he really doesn't know what he really wants to call. He's completely changed his offense, and that's not a long-term recipe for success. And that's why I think Nick Mullins gives him a chance to get back into that. Let me see how much you can pass the ball and get the ball out with timing because his his whole playbook, and I'm going to break it down Sunday on our bi-week edition of Vikings Game Day Live, but I, my, my plays offensively are Kevin O'Connell's scheme. It has nothing to do with quarterback. I got Kirk and I got Josh Dobbs, and both of the plays that have been successful are all timing plays. It has nothing to do with a guy just absolutely beating a guy. It's timing, and then it's also figuring out where J.J. is, which Dobbs has not had. So could Dobbs be better with J.J.? Maybe because he gets a cleaner look at the coverage. But other than that, Hey, Kevin O'Connell is not doing what he normally does, and I think that's the big difference. Uh, so does Dobbs deserve a chance? Yeah, I think he does. I, just like the song with Biggie. Biggie, give me one more chance. I think Josh Dobbs should be in there playing that with a boombox over his head. Like, Kevin, give me one more chance. Kevin, Kevin, give me one more chance. Like, put the chain on and just, hey, go full on Martin. Uh, when, him and Gina, when him and Gina did the, uh, what, what did they do? The Shakespeare. But he changed it to Homeo instead of Romeo. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember. Julia probably too young to remember that. But Martin Lawrence, <laughs> she's like, yeah. Martin yep. Lawrence did an episode as when they did Shakespeare, and he was Homeo, not Romeo. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I just had that vision of Josh Dobbs with the speaker walking up to Kevin O'Connell's <laughs> offense. <laughs> the, just uh, trying to get one more chance. Just give me one more chance, coach. Uh, but before we uh hear a word from our sponsors and fan duel, just let you know, people coming up next, we're gonna talk about the wild because yeah, they got a new coach. Is this the recipe? Like firing coaches in the middle of the season and then getting a new coach in the middle of the season. I don't know if any other sport could do that besides hockey, but we'll talk about that as well as you got the Wolves and the Jazz. They play last night without the man himself. And we'll talk about what we think about that one. And then the Gophers. Ethan Kalik Mans is at the portal, but so has like 15 other quarterbacks. So what does that mean for him? What does that mean for the Gophers? And what does that mean for college sports? We'll talk about all that after a uh, word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line wager. That means all you got to do is find the best money line bet you like, wager $5, you win that bet, you're getting $150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action, the app. It's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NFL season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Well, one of my favorite movies is the Mighty Ducks and uh, the new season on Disney. It's a little bit different than the original, but Gordon Bombay, Emilio Estevez, I think it's one of the Estevez, bro. I don't know. They Charlie Sheen. They all change their names. I have no idea which one is which, uh, but Emilio Estevez is a, a, a ice rink guy. He's the manager of an ice rink. Uh, the Ducks quote unquote suck. And then they go ask him to, can he get the old school ducks back? He brings some of the old characters back for nostalgia. They come in and try to show him how to be the Bash brothers and so on and so forth and all this other stuff. And they start winning. I haven't fully watched it, so I don't know what happened in the end, but it's it's Disney. So my guess is they're going to win the Super Bowl of hockey uh, for the little kids version. 
Uh, so the, the tiny bowl of hockey, I don't know. Uh, but Julia, they fired Dean Everson. Right move, wrong move. Thoughts? Um, so like Reggie was saying before we even started all this, he and I are not the most versed here <laughs> 11 sports office when it comes to hockey. But from what I have learned, because JTR Photog is like diehard hockey guy, right? And Will Hall, who's our weekend sports anchor, diehard hockey. So I've been learning a lot from them. Um, it's not, it's not terribly unusual for a team to just fire a coach and bring in somebody like the next day. Um, I will give a shout out to Will Hall though, because on Sunday afternoon, when we went in to do our Vikings extra show, he looked at all of us and he said, I think tomorrow's the day. Mm. And Ryan Williamson, our producer goes, yeah, I get that feeling too. And then the next day, mm. you know, with Monday night football going on, they thought maybe it would be a way to kind of, keep things under wraps a little bit more and then it happened and 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 now we have john hines here i will say i think sometimes I, you know as i've been learning about hockey they, sometimes teams just need a, a breath of fresh air when it comes to somebody new coming in um john hines thing that everyone keeps talking about is he he likes teams with speed he wants his guys to play fast but again i'll bring up jt or photog when i was having this conversation with him trying to learn a little bit more about the guy he said yeah but at the same time it's like you don't hear of a hockey coach that's 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 like hey guys slow down you know so we'll just have to we'll have to wait it out i think it's right now it's just kind of something new and and i think that that has a little bit to do with the change that we've seen this week in their two games that they've played and they've won with john hines as their new head coach also they're going into nashville the team that fired him um so there's a little bit more oomph when they go into that game last night and, and get that big win. But yeah, I mean, Dean Everson's going to be just fine. He'll have another job in the next year. Um, I think it's just one of those things. I don't, you know, right or wrong is yet to be seen. Reggie. Yeah, I think everybody, including Bill Guerin, loved Dean just because like his approach, the type of guy he was, one of the best guys in in hockey. And I think it pained Bill Guerin to have to make the move. But you lose seven straight, worst start since the very first season of wild hockey in 2000. And you you kind of have to make a move. And I think Dean understood it. Some of the things I've read and, and uh, looked at from the conversations that were had with Dean after the move happened, like he kind of felt like it was coming. And I, I don't think anybody liked it. I don't think anybody wanted it because I think, like I said, everybody liked Dean. That being said, you know, there's something to be said about when a new coach comes through. Like, it it puts everybody on notice. I think it, it you know, Ryan could probably speak to this better than I can as an athlete. But when a new coach comes in, I feel like the, the athletes feel like, oh, man, like, okay, that's on us, like. You know, it was sometimes like with Josh McDaniels, they were like, look, that's on him. Get him out of here. But I think all the players appreciated Dean as well. And it just didn't work. It's just what's so interesting is it's like there is like a such thing as just having a quick jolt, you know, when a new coach comes in. And that's what we've seen. You know, all of a sudden they're they're giving up so many goals each game. All of a sudden, Gus holds St. Louis to one goal. And then in the next game, they score. 76 goals against the Predators. And you're like, uh, where has this been? Like, did a new coach really affect that that much? And so I think there's a little bit of a jolt that happens when a new coach comes in. But 
I do think they they probably regress back to the mean just a little bit, come back down to earth a little bit, or maybe they go on a run and become the best hockey team we've ever seen. <laughs> but I, I think um, one of the knocks on on Hines, which is why he got the can in Nashville, is you know he hasn't been able to get a team out of that first round of the postseason, and I think that's something. If you're a Wild fan, look. I don't even know that you can think that far right now because they're so far in the hole <laughs> through 21, 22 games of the season. And so I think what people just have to kind of, you know, temper themselves and just try to see what what can happen with this wild team. And then you, you cross the whole playoff thing uh, bridge when, when you get to it. We got to move on. Uh, when, when you look at the rest of this sports I, what do you call it? A triangle, I guess, right now in Minnesota. Uh, you got hockey, basketball, and football. Best time of the year because you got a bunch of sports going on at the same time. Uh, the Twins actually gave us an exciting season, but they're done. Now it's time for the Super Bowl winners, the NBA champions, the number one team in the West, the Timberwolves. Reggie, what you got about them? Not too much on that, Ryan, okay? <laughs> Not too much. Right. They are the number one team in the West. I got to say it. Because uh, okay. we don't know how much longer it's going to last. So you gotta, Stats don't lie. Yeah, hey. maybe just tonight, the next 12 hours. <laughs> hey, 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 calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so look, I, 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 like, um, I like what I'm seeing from the Wolves. Anthony Edwards goes down with that crazy um, fall that he took. Looks like he's probably going to be okay long term. But, you know, you, you're you like, okay, what do we think we're going to see from this Timberwolves team? And Rudy came out there with something to prove last night. Like, he has been playing out of his freaking mind. And it's so interesting because so many people were like, hey, man, maybe they should have kept Walker Kessler. And, mm -hmm. like, Walker Kessler does look like he's going to be – a fine basketball player in the league, right? But he came through that lane. Rudy was like, <laughs> you thought, right? Huh? You thought swatted him, swatted him. And, you know, last night, Rudy placed 37 minutes ago, 6 of 11 from the field, made three of his four free throws, and the Wolves are plus 15 when he's on the floor. He finishes with 15 points, 13 boards, and three blocks. Like, he is playing out of his mind. But what I have to do right now, I have to do it because he takes so much flack. No ant last night. So who steps up? The big cat, Carl Anthony Towns. 37 minutes, goes 12 of 22 from the floor. 32 points. That is the first time he's gone over 30 this season. Like, I don't know that we'll see him do that consistently. But without Ant, they needed someone to step up with the scoring. And Cat took it on four of seven from three, four of five from the free throw line. He had 11 boards, four assists, two steals and a block. Like, come on. I just I just think that, you know, when we were talking on the basketball party on Wednesday, I said the, the Wolves probably have the best depth in the West. And without Ant, Going against a Jazz team that they're no slouches. I know you know they're what six and thirteen this year. They're they're still figuring things out, but to go out there and beat them by eleven, like that's pretty impressive. And so I, I like what I'm seeing. They got 
They got 20 points from Nah last night, four of eight from, from three. He he chipped in seven assists, five boards, five steals, two blocks, like playing hard in his minutes. And so what I like from the Wolves is they have the depth. Even when they don't have their bona fide superstar, they still can find a way to win. And that, to me, is a sign of a good team that may just – Go to the Super Bowl, Ron. Yes. Let's go, Luke. What you got? <clears throat> yeah, obviously, you never want to see anyone go down, especially your young star. But having said that, last night was it was fun to see some guys take advantage of their new opportunities. And I think we were all kind of curious, okay, what's the offense going to look like last night without Ant? I mean, we even got our first look at Deshaun Nix. I mean, that was kind of funny, kind of cool. But Reggie's right. I think nobody did more with those extra minutes than Nah did. I, I mean, he just looked so crisp on both ends. He played like he was one of the best players on the court all night versus the Jazz, and I think he's cementing his spot in the pecking order when you do get Ant and Jaden back, and all of a sudden you feel so much better about this bench. Nah, Nas, slow-mo, and now even Troy Brown Jr., the things he's been able to do the last few games. I think last night's game, though, was huge for the psyche and the confidence of this team, specifically this team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, because mentally now they know they can win games without not just Ant, but Ant and Jaden. And I think people are going to say, well, pump the brakes, like Reggie joked about, all right, the Jazz, uh, they're not great, maybe they're not bad, but... Okay, you're not wrong, but those are the same exact games we watched this team lose time after time all last season. So I just think it was a great to see them win last night the way they did and even better to see the way Nas stepped up. If things aren't exciting enough around here, I think now fans, they got even more to look forward to just knowing when this team does finally get healthy and they've got the starters and the bench top to bottom, I think they can beat any team in this league on any given night. And I think that's a luxury, this depth that they have right now. Not a ton of teams have, especially when you get 60, 70 games into the season. And quick final note, their next five games, whether Ant comes back or not, and I think Jaden's still going to be out, their next five games, though, are against teams with a combined 380 winning percentage. So, 17 and four. I mean, that's on the table right now. Julia. I'm so glad everyone brought up Nah. I was worried, you know, sometimes he doesn't get the shout outs that I think sometimes he deserves. Uh, Reggie, you would be proud of me because last night uh, at six, I was filling in on the desk for Reggie last night. Um, I, I said some expectations that people should have for the Wolves because they don't send out any of their injury reports until 6.31, right wow. after we get off the air. Mm. Um, so the big question mark was whether Ant was going to play or not, right? We all had an inkling. So I, I just said, you know, expect Ant not to play, but also expect Cat to take advantage of this time offensively to really step up in his absence. And that's exactly what he did. Like he Good said. job, Julia. Hey. I'm learning from Reg. He's teaching me a lot about all this stuff. Um, I also think, you know, on Tuesday night after the game, Mike Connolly talked a lot about just how proud, you know, because he's an older veteran, just how proud he was of the way the team rallied um, the rest of the third and the fourth without Ant, and he was hoping that it would carry over into this game last night, right? Um, Rudy, too, I mean, going against your former team, he's got a little extra motivation, but you're right, he has been playing out of his mind lately, and it's something that we didn't get to see. I feel like last year, you know, there was all this talk about, like, was that the biggest trade bust of the year, getting Rudy and trading, like, half your team over – for him, but he's really starting to prove it. I mean, he's proving himself, right? Um, 
So it's exciting just to see them do this in the depth, like you guys have talked about too. But um, one of the questions that we had on our topic was the concerns about the health. Obviously, Ant, this is just a, a hit pointer for people that don't know. It, it's just a deeper bruise on your bone. So it's not something that gets irritated unless you like slam it on the ground again. So Finch talked about the potential of him playing this weekend, you know, so that could be an easy, you know, return for him. But JD McDaniels, I think an ankle sprain. So my dad is an orthopedic surgeon and he always talked about ankle sprains. They can sometimes be really bad um, because they get re-irritated. And my dad would even tell me sometimes it's better to break your ankle than it is to sprain it really bad because it's so easy to re-irritate. It's so mm. hard to get back to where you were before that. So that's something that, you know, they, they said, they told us basically from the jump, this is not a day-to-day -day injury. Like he's out right now. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see how that one works itself out and, and if it re-irritates itself. But for Ant, I think we'll see him back very soon. But it is exciting to see how this team's kind of rallied in his absence. Yeah, so I'm just going to go with this. First, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, yes, because on the on the basketball party on Wednesdays, every Wednesday, people, every Wednesday, we talk basketball on this, on this network, Locked On Sports Minnesota. And Reggie and everybody was trying to figure out who could be a guy. I think, Reggie, you threw out Troy Brown, right? We see what Troy Brown's doing. Consistent. Came in there. Did his thing. So I'm excited. I, this is the thing about, and Luke, you, you brought up a great point about the points. Or sorry, the, the, the win percentage of the teams are playing. We all talked about Justin Jefferson being out and the teams the Vikings are going to be playing. Unfortunately, they didn't beat. Okay. Um, but the Timberwolves should be able to do it. Why? Because they have a Carl. Like the, the Vikings don't really have a Carl Anthony Towns and a Rudy Gobert. I don't know how it can make a correlation. I don't have time to even look into it and think about it. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns stepping up 32 points. Um, that was huge. That was huge for the fact of he can do that. So if Ant does come back and he is like on a pitch count because of a hip pointer and, and all it is, it's a, it's a ball, it's a deep bone bruise and it hurts like absolute hell. It hurts. You got to get shot up with some Novocaine. Um, you got to be careful because your leg can go numb. Like we had a punt returner, Jermaine Mays, and I play who got the shot and he was, you're supposed to lay down for an amount of time to let the medicine take. He stood up and it went down his leg. So his entire right leg went numb. Uh, so when he tried to take a step, like five minutes later, he couldn't feel his nerves in his legs, so he could not play the rest of the game. But it is one of those things where you get the shot. It hurts because they have to take this huge needle, stick it right through your hip into the bone. You can't get numbed up. You just got to, like, bite into a towel and take it, and they shoot the medicine around it. I feel like Anthony Edwards, because the way he talks about he wants to be a football player, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to do it, but they're not going to do it until they need him. You don't need them against the Charlotte Hornets. They don't even have the ball, brother. So don't waste them there. I think Brittany Renner has ruined that organization. Um, her and the PJ Washington baby thing. She's absolutely <laughs> ruined the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> you got to start over. You got to start over as a team. When, when Once she's ruined your team, you got to start over. Um, but when you, when you look at ball not playing. Um, but here's the thing about the Timberwolves, too, that was kind of cool. When you look at their team stats, they didn't win. And it's very bad. They didn't win the free throw percentage. Absolutely horrible. Now, it was 10 for 13, so it's not as bad, but the number is 76%. You got to make your free throws. But they didn't win the defensive uh, or offensive rebound battle. But the turnovers, that was the key. 19 turnovers for the Jazz, 11 for the Timberwolves. For Troy Brown to come in, be efficient, and not turn the ball over, 
That's the key. It, it, it's not always about rebounds. If you can win the turnover battle, which the Vikings can't, you can win these games. And I think that's the key. Like you just don't give them the ball, like the steals. They won the steals battle. Um, and I think that ended up being the key for the Timberwolves. So, and the fact that, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker can come in and give you 20. Now, as a coach, if I'm Chris Finch, I'm like, hey, Ant, you can come out for 15 minutes. Like I can, I can sit you if you're not feeling great. Like let's rest it. Let's not overdo it, but let's work you back in here. Cause I know Nah can come in and he can give us some bonus minutes and some points. Like he can score. Um, honestly, I think Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to push Sam's guy down uh, in slow-mo. Like Kyle Anderson mm. is going to slowly yeah. get like limited when you when you have guys coming in and give you 20 at a faster pace. Because what I heard is that that Kyle Anderson is still in the locker room getting dressed. Like he has not fully gotten home yet uh, because he moves that slow. <laughs> but at, at this team to me, like again, 14 and four, I don't like, I'm just like the twins. I don't want to get too invested. Because I'm waiting for the other, like everybody thought the injury to Ant was going to be the other shoe dropping. I saw Twitter. Everybody's like, oh, we, we can't have nice things. They still went out and won. I think they're going to win the next three. I think Luke's right. 17 and four is there. I'm not going to say Chicago Bulls, uh, Warriors, they're not pushing that limit. Like they're not going to lose, you know, eight games this year total. But I think they, I think like the number one seed, the fact that the Nuggets keep getting pushed down and the West is cannibalizing each other. As long as the, the the Timberwolves can find ways to beat the teams they're supposed to beat, think about this. The first two games of the season, the Hawks, they should have won that. And I think what the Raptors, they could be 16 and two right now. And then we really would be talking about the NBA champions. Like that's what's crazy. They lost to two teams they shouldn't have lost to. And I think that's what's so exciting about the way this team is starting to come together. The fact that people can trust Cat. But if Cat can stop whining, stay out of foul trouble, if Anthony Edwards, they know to defer to him. This team can be scary. Uh, we got one quick one before we get out of here. Uh, make sure everybody knows that you can get 24-7 Locked On Sports Minnesota uh, uh, stuff on our YouTube feed. Make sure you subscribe. You just need the email address to subscribe. It's 24-7 Sports. That's Wild Wolves, uh, Gophers, Twins, everything. We got it for you. And we got our postcast after every single game, every single game, whether it hurts us or not. We're going to talk about it, people. Every Gophers game that lost, I had to get up here and I had to you know, wipe my tears off, grab a cigar and just suck it up and deal with it. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Same with the Vikings. Like when the Vikings lose and we feel like they should win, we got to we gotta let Luke Braun tell everybody how hurt he is uh, because the analytics didn't work out the way they should. But really quick, man, the transfer portal, we've heard so much about this transfer portal. We've heard so much. Matt Rule is saying of these, what, 14 to 15 quarterbacks that have now entered the portal. It's a million dollars for some of these kids, a million dollars to get some of these kids. Like, honestly, like if we were to look at Nick Mullins, I don't know if like those dudes are making a million, theoretically, um, a million dollars for a quarterback. Ethan Kalik Manis, the Gophers quarterback, we know is entered the portal going into this bowl game. If they do accept it first, New Mexico state, most likely, um, they only have two quarterbacks, Cole Kramer, who's a senior. And then this freshman, I'm not even butcher his name for you. Um, but that's the, the sad reality. If Cole Kramer were to get hurt because he's a running quarterback, you would have to put a kid in there that's never gotten under center and most likely would never play in a college football game. And so that's what's the crazy thing about college football. They have two quarterbacks. They can't go out and recruit. They can't go out and sign a free agent. Like this is what college football is about. They might just have to go wildcat and let their running back and Tyler New or uh, Jordan Newbin play like that's where they're down daniel jackson has played quarterback in high school he might have to play a little emergency quarterback um but really quick on the quarterback situation in, in the nil 
Uh, whether you want to talk about Matt Rule or Ethan Kellegg Manis, I'll go to you first, Luke. Yeah, as of yesterday when I checked, there was 15 quarterbacks in the portal. Right now, ESPN ranked Kelly Manis 12th out of 15th. I know he ranked 100th in passer rating, and I'm not picking on him or saying everything was his fault. His pass catchers dropped 25 balls this season. Last year, they dropped four. So a lot of variables to this whole thing, but the point is, PJ mentioned this too. There was moments when he flashed. Right now, though, now that we've got a bigger sample size, he's just too inconsistent to win games in the Big Ten. So I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. They've got no other option but to hit the portal themselves, bring in some fresh blood, because like it or not, like you said, Ron, this is the college landscape now. The portal is a popular and evolving part of the game now. It just is. In fact, every team in the Big Ten had a transfer quarterback playing at least one game this season. So just knowing that, I think as a fan, you're ready to get on board with this whole thing. Things can't get any worse than they were this year. Stats don't lie. And so you play the game like everyone else is playing. You bring the best guy you can find. They've already got an offer for Max Brosmer from New Hampshire. He mm -hmm. ranks fifth out of 15. So you're already feeling better about that. But whoever you get, the important thing is you give the portal a shot to help you just like it's helped out all these other teams otherwise you're going to get left in the dust reggie i don't know maybe uh maybe the gophers bring in Brittany renner to play <laughs> i don't know did bring her in to speak to the team though yeah Dion yeah. brought her in to speak to the team <laughs> yeah i mean can't be can't be <laughs> any more volatile <laughs> No, I, I don't know where the Gophers go. I put PJ back there. I don't, I don't know. Let him row it, you know, from the quarterback position. Oh, I, man. I don't – I honestly don't know where the Gophers go from here. I do think that Ethan probably saw the writing on the wall. He'll probably end up in, like, um, Toledo or Akron or University of Rhode Island or, you know, some some obscure school like that or something like that. Iowa, maybe. Who knows? Oh man, that'd just be too much like Iowa to do that. Um, but I, I just I think we really missed seeing just a super dynamic quarterback with the Gophers, like where you don't just have to depend on the run game to be successful. And I think that's what's been missing. That's what was missed out on this year. We've seen We've seen really strong rushing performances from the Gophers uh, this season and just not enough consistent play from the quarterback position. So I think if, if they could just find someone who can really just steer the ship and, and really like make plays and and affect outcomes of the football game, like I just don't know that they'll have a chance moving forward. But I feel like PJ has a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a crossroads right now, trying to figure out where to go with this team because if they underachieve like they did this year, next year, and then they have this maybe quarterback situation that's just unsettled next year, some heads might roll in Dinky Town. Mm. Mm. Julia. Come on, guys. Let's put Max Chicken Jansky in there. Thank you for saying the name because I wasn't yeah. going to try it. I tried it last we time. We were too scared. I, I couldn't say it. I when he was in high school. I, I would talk to him when he uh, – where was he going? Centennial to play basketball and he mm. decommitted to walk on. Mm. He preferred walk on with the Gophers. Hey, let's put some meat on his bones. Let's put him out there and let him sling it. <laughs> um, I like it. They've also got Drew Lindsay coming in. Like, you know, he'll be a true freshman next year. He's a three-star quarterback out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Give mm -hmm. Arkansas some love there. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think uh, Carson Beck. Yes, wait, yesterday it was reported that Georgia's paying him a million something dollars to stay at Georgia next year instead of entering the draft, um, which is a very smart business move by him. Should he choose to follow through with that, because mm-hmm. he probably a lot more money if he plays even better next year with the Bulldogs. But it's just a weird space right now. And I mean, it's what I've been saying. I feel like all season, I feel like a broken record at this point. They're going to have to buy a few players if they want this program to produce, you mm-hmm. know, later on down the road. And I think they're going to have to find somebody that's some kind of company or CEO or booster or somebody that's willing to invest in a good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and that's just kind of how the world works now. It's a, it's odd. It's new for all of us. Um, but it's the reality that you have and, and whether you like it or not, that's something you got to kind of address and, and face head on if you want to succeed in the future. So it's kind of weird. Yep. Well, the Powerball is uh, what over 300 million right now. So I'm about to go get me a ticket. And if I win, Blue chips, baby. I'm going out and I'm buying an entire <laughs> offensive line. I'm just going to buy an <laughs> offensive line, a quarterback, a nice little running back, D tackle. Uh, I'm just going to, I mean, why not? It's the, it's the Powerball. If you hit 352 million, I'm putting like seven million into the team. Like I'm just gonna you be are, out there with a get your dad come play for yeah with a salary cap, and it's just gonna happen for like I only need to do it once, and I'm put, I'm signing them to like devil contracts. Like I own your soul if I give you a million dollars out of my. <laughs> <laughs> you are coming on locked on sports every week, You're like. Sick. I will own your soul for a million dollars. And if you look at like a lot of the players, the Miami Hurricanes who bought a team for that basketball team, that guy locally was just doing commercials with those players and using them to promote his software for his company, uh, the, the Cavender twins and so on and so forth, doing the uh, health food stuff. So, hey, it is what it is. You got to figure out ways to buy a team. But with the quarterbacks, Matt Rule is right. Uh, it is going to cost money. I don't know if a million dollars is it. I think people just throw out that number because it sounds good. Um, but but you're going to have to spend some money. Uh, as far as Ethan Kelly Manis, I wish him the best. I have no idea where he's going to end up. Uh, I think Luke is on to something, though. It's probably somewhere closer to home. Um, and uh, as his dad said, it has nothing to do with the incoming quarterbacks that they talked about out of the portal. Uh, they just wanted to cut ties in the University of Minnesota. So I'm Ron Johnson. That's Julia Daniels, Reggie Wilson. That's Luke Spinman or Inman, if you really know him. Uh, this has been Locked On Sports, Minnesota's Friday Roundtable. Have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.